In the beginning, everything was very good. But most of us can agree that things aren't so good these days. Whatever happened to that good creation in Genesis chapter 1? This is Bible Habits, Genesis chapter 3. So here's an interesting scene. In verse 1, we read that the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? We're not told anything about the serpent, his origins, his motivations, or why he can talk. It's not until the very end of the Bible, in Revelation 12, 9, and chapter 20, verse 2, that we have a biblical author connect the serpent to the devil. But in the meantime, the ancient audience who read this would have likely recognized the serpent as a demonic force. The snake was representative of chaos in many of Israel's surrounding cultures. And then you have the serpent speaking, which was also an indication that this was something supernatural. God saw the earth was formless and void, and so he gave it order. But now we have an agent of chaos attempting to undo God's good creation. The temptation is rather straightforward. Eat from the forbidden tree. The man and woman, nameless at this point, they've been commanded to keep and tend the garden. In the middle of this garden is the tree of life. According to Genesis 3.22, as long as they have access to this tree, they're going to live forever. But also in the middle of the garden is the one tree that they can't eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what's the sin in eating from this tree? Why is it so bad to eat a piece of fruit from this particular source? He had given them every other tree, so why not this one? The answer is in the name of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. To know good and evil has gone through a lot of different interpretations, but if we take it within context of the biblical canon, it's simply another way of saying that knowing good and evil is to decide good and evil for yourself. It is moral autonomy. We see this phrase a few other times in scripture. For example, in Genesis 24, 50, God decides that Isaac is to take Rebekah as his wife. And Rebekah's brother, in verse 50, says, The things have come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. That is, Laban says, since God has made this decision, we can't change it. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39, we're told of children who have no knowledge of good and evil. That is, they're too young to make their own decisions. They're under the authority of their parents. And finally, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, we have Solomon praying to be able to discern between good and evil, to make the right decisions in court. So when the serpent tempts the woman to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he's tempting her to define good and evil on her terms, not God's. The serpent says that she will be like God in knowing good and evil, to say what is good and what is not. What is forbidden is man's ability to determine right and wrong himself, to be wise in his own eyes instead of relying on God's wisdom. The temptation is to throw off the authority of God and remake the world into what you think is good. And the serpent is very good at tempting the woman. First, the serpent seeks to cause dissatisfaction and make God into the bad guy. In Genesis 3.1, he said to the woman, Did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Now, technically true, God had given every tree except the one. 
So he hadn't given everything to the man and the woman. The serpent isn't lying, but he is framing the blessings of God in the worst way. God had said, you can have every tree but one. The serpent rephrases it as God won't let you have everything. The blessings of God are minimized, and God is perceived as an overbearing and restrictive figure. And then the serpent just straight up lies to the woman. In verses 4 and 5, the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Temptations minimize God's blessings and do everything they can to make sin attractive. Notice that nowhere does the serpent tell the woman to eat the fruit. All he has to do is direct the woman's eye to what she can't have and then let her desires do the rest. In verse 6, she sees that the food is good. She sees that it's a delight to the eyes. She sees that it will make her wise. Sin works by being attractive. When I was in grade school, there was an anti-drug program called D.A.R.E. And it taught that drugs were never attractive. And they would only be offered by some creepy guy in shabby clothes hanging around in a back alley. Well, I was never offered drugs by strange men hanging around dumpsters. Instead, my temptation to do drugs first came to me on top of a mountain after a beautiful hike and offered by the girl I had a crush on. Just because something looks nice doesn't mean it is. Sin promises so much, but let's see what it delivers. The serpent said that the woman's eyes would be opened and she would be like God. In verse 7, the eyes of the man and woman are opened, and when they saw, they didn't like. Sin brings a number of consequences. First, we have shame. They see that they're naked. And nakedness in the Bible is always a shameful and embarrassing thing. When we sin, they will be shameful. Second is the disruption of relationships. Man and women, they're made to be one flesh. And when God asks the man why he's hiding, the man is quick to blame the women. Who, by the way, God, you gave to me. It's their fault, not his. Third, sin turns the blessings of God into curses. Mankind was tasked with being fruitful and multiplying. But now, in verse 16, the woman will bring forth children in anxiety. And through the book of Genesis, women struggle with being unable to have children and even dying in childbirth. Mankind was also to keep and tend the garden, to subdue the earth and bring it under their control. But now, in verses 17 through 19, man is cursed to work the ground in anxiety as he struggles with famines and enemies who drive him from the land. And finally, sin brings death and separation from God. In verse 23, we're told the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Adam and Eve are separated from the tree of life and will die. They no longer have access to the garden. They no longer have access to God, but instead will return back to the dust from which they were taken. Sin promises a fuller life, but brings shame, disharmony, cursings, and death. It was God's word that brought the good creation together, but the voice of the devil is seeking to destroy it. So why is the world not good anymore? 
because we decided to take the definition of good and evil into our own hands. And in doing so, we're taking God's good creation and we are ruining it by bringing in sin and death. But not all is lost. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God speaks to the serpent, the agent of chaos, and says that I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Eve, the mother of all living, is going to have children. And from among those children will be one who crushes the forces opposed to God and his good creation. The serpent, he's going to get his hits in as well as he bites at the hills of this promised child. But victory belongs to the Lord.